Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone Podcast. I'm one-year host, Jimmy Wong. And I'm DJ. Uh, and today, we are getting into something really exciting. That's right, set reviews. Now, some of you may be groaning out there going, set reviews again. But it's a special set. It's Modern Horizons 2. two, two, two. The cards look amazing. Modern Horizons 1 really added a lot of cool stuff mm. to different archetypes, powerful cards. And this is shaping up to be really awesome powerful stuff in here and not to mention we may be talking about one of the best white cards ever printed for commander you don't say that every single day but before we get into Wait a it second, we said that a previous yeah, <laughs> for the lower maybe, maybe maybe we've been doing we will be saying this in the future yeah yeah i mean that'd be great if the every, new white staple if every single every episode. episode we said that <laughs> then white would still be behind okay oh, no. <laughs> before we get into it obviously you're going to want to pick up that white staple and maybe the other white staples that we've talked about in the past you can do so by heading over and over to cardthekingdom.com slash command zone that's our affiliate link look we're talking about a lot of cards today modern horizons 2 is here you can pre-order or order it depending on what time you're watching this episode so use that affiliate link it's easy you can buy magic cards anyway why the heck not and while you're there or maybe you're visiting your local game store you want to check out ultra pro because they make amazing play mats they have tons of new art as well for all of the uh the art from modern horizons there's always alternate arts and showcase frames and stuff that are coming along and those arts look amazing on sleeves deck boxes on play mats maybe they don't put them yeah they do put them on deck boxes so ultra pro is your place to get that i've been trusting them for oh gosh 15 20 years now my very first dual land was a Badlands from when I was like age eight and it had in an ultra pro hard case and sleeve and it stayed in mint condition from that time. Nice. Good times. And the last way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. You can watch our game nights episodes and extra turns a day early as well as talk to us on our discord at certain tiers. It's a great place to go in case you want to, you know, hook up with other cool magic fans and discuss your love of the game. Patreon.com slash command zone. We shout out one lucky patron every single episode and this week's episode is dedicated, dedicated to... to Irvin Zubia. So today we're talking about the white, black, and multicolored cards in Modern Horizons 2. I like that you wrote this here, DJ. Make sure you subscribe and you ring that bell so you can catch all of the videos on our Modern Horizons 2 coverage. There's a lot to come. Let's start off. Let's not bury the lead. 
It's the new staple in white decks. Let's talk about it. It is Esper Sentinel. The Woo-hoo. first card that we're talking about. Oh, Esper yeah. Sentinel is one white for a 1-1 artifact creature human soldier. Whenever an opponent casts their first non-creature spell each turn, draw a card unless that player pays X, where X is Esper Sentinel's power. Wow. Okay, so this is... White's version of Mystic Remora slash Ristic Study. Is it as good as either of those? Uh, no, <laughs> it's not. But but do you know what? It doesn't have to be. It's so good. Uh, Jimmy, did we need more cards in the world that say, uh, did you pay the one? Uh, that I say no to, <laughs> but White, I will make an exception for. Exactly. Okay, so let's break it down. First off, it, Ristic Study and Mystic Remora, they trigger all of the time, basically. Yeah. You Mystic know? Remora is only non-creatures, uh, and of course, Ristic Study is every single spell. Yeah, um, but this only triggers on the first spell cast each turn mm-hmm. and it's the first non-creature spell okay? okay now i think that that still taxes a lot of people and it's still very relevant uh but it is only affecting the first spell right. so that's that's significant now the thing about esper sentinel though is it's right if you look at the tier list ristic study is the best but it costs three mana and it taxes every single spell mm-hmm. mystic remora is the second best it taxes only non-creature spells but it only costs one mana but it has a cumulative upkeep but esper, it taxes for four which for is four, which is almost yeah. impossible to get through no one's you know ever gonna I mean? pay that you're gonna yeah. draw that card esper sentinel is the worst of the three but still better than everything else that white has pretty much because it only costs one to, pl- to pay but it only casts it only targets the first spell that an opponent casts each turn if it's a non-creature spell and the Esper Sentinel's power is what determines what gets paid. I really love the play pattern of this because Esper Sentinel comes down early enough that people that are playing their mana rocks, they're playing oh, yeah. their ramp spells, their far seeks, their cultivates, everything like that. What are they going to do? Put their ramp off a turn? Yeah. No, they're going to let you draw a card. Not to mention this is on cast. So if you cast a mana rock on turn two, the trigger is going to go on the sack. You can't pay for it because the mana rock's not on the table. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it could be like playing Arcane Signet and then, oh, I'm going to use that mana for something. But in this case, no, if you're paying two mana on your second turn, and Esper Sentinel's out because it's a one drop, then you are gonna just let that person draw a card. Not to mention, if you do pump the Esper Sentinel a little bit, if you make it a 2-2, a 3-3, or a 3-1, then they're paying, they have to pay that much. And then it really becomes impossible for them to do. Absolutely. Anthems, equipment, a lot of pumping happens in white decks. And Mm -hmm. so you can get Esper Sentinel's power to be pretty big so that you're basically always drawing a card at the beginning of every, well, once a turn, non-creature spells. Seems like a perfect include in any equipment deck it is an artifact creature as well so maybe you have some synergies there uh i mean look this is a strong card not to mention it's in white <laughs> do you know what i like a lot too is that uh it synergizes really well with my favorite white mole drifter uh ranger vios ah but it draws very specifically cards with one power, yes right? with one with one or less yeah uh, also uh ranger captain of eos too mm-hmm, the uh, there's artifact searching in in white and so really this is going to end up being a staple in, in a lot of different decks, and you're going to hear, uh, do you pay the one? A lot yeah. more often. Yeah, a lot more often, but the player saying it's going to be happy they get to do so. Uh, it's, bottom line, one of the best white cards ever printed for Commander. Expect to see it a lot, and you will. All right, next up, next up we got Nykthos Paragon. Four white, white for an enchantment creature human soldier as a 4-6. Whenever you gain life, you may put that many plus one, plus one counters on each creature you control. Do this only once each turn. Okay, let's break this down. First up, 
that many. I love when they put that many. Yeah. You know, we're used to just like you gain life, put a, a plus one plus one counter. That many means that you can gain a ton of life and drop a ton of counters. Yeah. Gain 10 life, feed the clan, put 10 plus one plus one counters on each creature you control. That is a lot of... However, you can only do it only once each turn, but I don't think you need to do it more than once each turn if it's that many. See, I think that what this does is that it makes it sort of a fairer commander card versus a combo card. Like, we mm -hmm. know that with Archangel of Thune, uh, you can go infinite with, like, Spike Feeder. Spike Feeder, yeah. Yeah, where, or some other cards, too, where basically you gain life, it pumps everything, and then you pull those counters off again to gain more mm -hmm. life, and, and it sort of creates this engine. But with... Uh, Nykthos Paragon, you can only do it once and so it really is this sort of well, I'm just going to gain a bunch of life and I'm just going to put a bunch of counters down it just seems like a perfect commander card even if you only gain one life, if you have a big go wide deck, so obviously Tristani Selesnia's voice, which is going to be able to get you a lot of life more than yeah. once each turn well, I mean, this hits the battlefield turn. and you gain this hits the battlefield right. there's a trigger you gain six it is on the battlefield when you gain six yeah. uh, that's immediately doing a good job and if you have cards like Wolverine Riders which puts out the token every turn on each of your opponent's turns as well and gains life when those elves come into play then you're going to be doing this multiple times a turn cycle um, Evra Halcyon Witness I still want to see someone build a deck with this where they smack you for a billion uh, and then of course you have your Aloros which just consistently gain life you got Karlov of the Ghost Council combo console of allocation these are all cards that will gain you life multiple times that's how i think you get the most out of nicholas paragon is that it can do it more than once uh, per turn rotation but only once each turn yeah you definitely want to take advantage of these counters yeah i think it's a downside that it's six six man i mean it's a powerful effect it's a powerful effect i think if you're playing in the life gain deck you have to you know you're going to put ramp in your deck anyway so if this is one of your finishers this makes perfect sense this Sounds is the good. this is the sun titan slot in white decks right so it's got to get you a lot of value obviously if you're in a life gain deck and you are able to go even slightly wide five creatures that all gain five plus one plus one counters that's still a lot, right? You don't need to have a board of like 20. You can have a board of even three creatures. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You don't need a lot to, to make this work. It would be really powerful enough. Yeah. In Play it with like Soul it. Sisters too and and like Soul's Attendant or Authority of the Consoles, which is just going to constantly gain you life and then blammo. But the setup is, it's a little bit of setup. All oh, right. Oh yeah, one last question. Do you think it's good in Aristocrats because you're always extorting or doing those sorts of things or pinging everyone for one and gaining one in return? Sometimes more than one. So aristocrats is a very tricky strategy because a lot of times you need a sacrifice outlet, sack fodder, and something to weaponize that sacrifice. Um, and there are a few cards that that double duty, but for the mm -hmm. most part, you need all of that. And this is a payoff. It is a payoff but card, it doesn't give but it's you not the, the best payoff. It's not the the one that drains. It's not the payoff that deals damage. It's not the payoff that immediately kills. So mm -hmm. I think uh, it's definitely down a tier when it comes to that. That's a good read, good read on that one. Okay, hey, look at this. We're at another white card that may be one of the best white cards ever printed for Commander. I, I like it a lot. Um, we'll go back and forth and figure out if it's one of the best ever printed. This is crazy. All right. I mean, it's pretty darn good. It's pretty good. Out of time. One white white for an enchantment. When out of time enters the battlefield, untap all creatures, then phase them out until out of time leaves the battlefield. Put a time counter on out of time for each creature phased out this way, and it has vanishing. You know, so... Let's break it down. Three mana enchantment that's kind of a board wipe. All the creatures disappear. Uh, but They untap first, notably, yeah. and then they disappear. <laughs> yeah. They disappear. Uh, and then out of time gains that many uh, time counters. Yeah. And then it has vanishing, which means at the beginning of your upkeep, you remove a time counter from it. And when it reaches zero, then you sacrifice the enchantment. Now, if this removes six creatures on turn three and the game ends by turn nine, out of time is taking them out of the game for the entire yeah, game. Yeah, like, so I think that this is a very, 
in two players, it's a very unreliable board wipe right. because sometimes you're playing this down and you're removing three creatures and you can see the game going three more turns. Mm-hmm. But in commander, when there's four players, like how, when are you board wiping just two or three creatures away? Only if they're very scary. Yeah. Typically your board wipes are hitting seven or eight things. And sometimes there'll be a, like if you kill a ton of tokens with this, right? Oh, that is a never bunch back. of, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I should clarify the tokens will come back phasing used to actually get rid of tokens, but it doesn't do that anymore. Tokens will come back, but come on, if you have that many creatures on the battlefield, this will have a vanishing counter, you know, by the time the game ends. Yeah. So someone obviously has to get rid of this enchantment to bring everything back, but this is a three man that get rid of everything. Uh, Most cases, I think majority of the time, maybe not like 90%, maybe 70% of the time, it's going to be for the rest of the game. If no one touches out of time. So, you did mention get rid of it. I feel like that's one of the downsides if there is one, right? Cause yeah. like you just, people play reclamation sages. They play, you know, um, tons just, of stuff. yeah, just tons of stuff that incidentally gets rid of enchantments. Like have you, have you been playing enchantment based removal spells in commander very much? Like, are you playing, you should you know, be, oblivion <laughs> ring? Like, are you playing oblivion ring in your decks? You if know? I'm playing white, which I don't often, yeah, I would run something like oblivion ring, but you need to be able to get rid of enchantments because those typically are, I'd say the most dangerous cards at the table when people are comboing off or they're building a value engine that you can't beat like a great henge or a zendikar resurgent we've talked about these cards they're huge mana sinks and getting rid of them is really powerful for you because of the temple loss out of time you are bringing everything back now notably things aren't flickering so they're not entering the battlefield again Mm -hmm. so they just sort of like phase back in like they were stuck in time somewhere that is critical the fact that they don't everyone gets to rebuy their etbs might mean that people are less likely to blow this up uh ultimately I think it's a very cool and interesting board wipe. It can find places in a lot of different decks, but I think that a lot of people are just going to be scared about it being unreliable because the creatures can come back. Yeah, and people should also be scared because out of time is a way to get rid of commanders. It We haven't really seen this before. Before it used to be you could tuck them away, but because commanders are phasing out, they're not changing zones. So the rule that if a commander changes zone, hit your graveyard, hit your deck, hit your hand, you can choose to put it into the command zone. In this case, out of time does not give you that option. So you actually don't, get your commander back from a board wipe like this your commander gets phased out now if you have a sack outlet great or something you can get rid of your commander but out of time is actually still, you're still your spell is still getting rid of the commander you yeah know exactly I mean? it's even better if you can strand it in phased out mode for, yeah. for forever and so this seems pretty powerful um you, with three mana being the cmc or the mana value you can recur it with a sun titan or Savage reclamation which seems like a new white play pattern and is definitely bringing stuff back like that uh, if you're playing it in an Enchantress deck, you can flicker it a bunch of times uh, with like Aminatu. So you can choose when to bring stuff out and put it back in. Because like, oh, I'm going to get rid of everything and I'll phase it back in. But then I'm just going to flicker back in and get rid of everything again because someone played five new things. Well, in enchantment decks too, just it having the enchantment type means that it could get a lot of value. Like, mm-hmm. hey, not only is this board wipe, but I just drew two cards and it triggered everything that I needed to and everything's good for me now. Yeah. You know? couple of other small combos. If you play Solemnity with this, it doesn't allow counters to actually go on the enchantment, so Vanishing will not work. Uh, it will just never get sacrificed, so it just becomes a, you have to remove this enchantment to get the creatures back. And if you have Opalescence, this is the funny one. So Opalescence is a card that says each other non-aura enchantment is a creature in addition to its other types and has base power and toughness equal to its mana value. So this would be a three mana, three, three enchantment creature. Uh, 
So it enters the battlefield. It, it itself is a creature it, too. Yeah. Opalescent says, you're a creature. And then out of time goes, well, I got to remove myself and phase myself out. And everything goes away forever in that case. There's like one very small corner case to try and get it back. But at that point, out of time is itself phased out and will never get removed. Oh, and that great. way you literally get rid of people's commanders with Opalescence plus out of time. That's fun. I Goodbye. like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah so out of time very interesting i've never we've never seen a board wipe like this this is like a almost kind of similar to what um teferi's protection does but just for all the creatures on the battlefield i'm a i'm a fan i like it a lot yeah i just find it funny that they all untap just because i think that they don't want this to be sort of a tempo thing oh i see because if they're tapped when they phase out when they phase back in they're, they're tapped, tapped again yeah 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 so they come back oh. like very well rested in pur- <laughs> from purgatory <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next up we have a card that is the first in the suspend cycle. Dun, dun, dun. This is a powerful cycle because we've got two cycles that we're going to be focusing on because uh, everyone's excited about them. Yep. They're they're free spells, you know? Yep. There's the evoke cycle. We'll get to that. But first we have the suspend cycle. Yeah. And suspend trades mana for time. Yep. So we're going to talk quickly about suspend here and just the general premise and why it's good slash bad. And then we'll dive into the cards. We'll do this on all of our set review episodes just so you sort of get a good idea of how we think about the card. And then we can talk more about the card itself. Right. Okay. So what is suspend and is it good in commander? So suspend is a cost that you pay that has a time associated with it. So, so say suspend X and X can be a number and then a mana cost. So rather than cast this card from a hand, you pay the mana cost and exile with X time counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, you remove a time counter. And when the last is removed, you can cast it without paying its mana cost, ignoring timing restrictions. So for example, resurgent belief has no casting cost. You cannot cast it. So instead you have to suspend it. You, it says suspend two for one and a white which means that you'll pay one and a white you'll put two time counters on it and then every single turn you'll remove a time counter from it on and your eventually upkeep on your upkeep and then you'll cast it you'll cast it yeah so you're trading time for mana and in many cases time of your trading time and mana for also an effect that is really difficult for Wizards of the Coast to reprint, a really powerful effect, right. a really crazy effect. Yeah, like know? Balance, the card is banned in Commander, but Restore Balance, the Suspend version, is not. Crazy. Okay, so let's break this down and find out how good Suspend is. We have to think, okay, well, there are very powerful effects that if we just read the card and think about it in terms of Magical Christmas Land, we could get really excited. But then in reality, how it plays out is that it ends up being unplayable because it is so telegraphed. It yeah. is susceptible towards interruption and counter and your opponent's playing around it. Or your opponent's killing you before you even get to cast it, or the game ending as a whole before the card gets cast. So, And not to mention, if you draw a suspend like four or five card very late in the game, then you are not in good shape because who knows if that card is ever going to get cast. It's going to be so long living in suspend. Now, there are ways to cheat it out. So if you cascade into a suspend card, you don't need to pay the suspend cost. You can just cast it. Um, and there's some cards and commanders that do that. So there is a world where suspend works better because you have ways of cheating it out and not having to wait for it to come out. Great. So, so if you can cheat, then it kind of changes the math and everything's a blanket thing because essentially it's not telegraphed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are not trading time for the powerful effect or for mana cost because you're cheating it out. Like yeah. you're not, you're not suspending it. Okay. So basically the equation changes if you can cheat it out, but let's assume that we're playing this fairly uh, and find out, well, in this situation for this card, whether it makes sense. Okay. Sound good? So, so Resurgent Belief. It's a sorcery. 
Suspend two for one in the white, so it's two time counters for one in the white mana. Return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Ooh. Ooh, this is this is replenish. Yeah, this is a power. This is a powerful white card. Replenish is uh, three and a white uh, for sorcery that returns all your enchantments from your graveyard to the battlefield, and uh, it is expensive. Yeah, it's it, over a hundred bucks easily. It's, it's in it's thousands reserve, of decks. It's on, it's on the reserved list. Ah, yes. There so, you go. so one thing that's crazy is that it's in thousands of decks, even though it's that price point. Yeah, because this is a game ender in the decks that want it. By bringing all of that stuff back from your graveyard for the cheap cost of four mana, right? That's a massive regrowth type spell. Um, similar cards that have this level of power are like Open the Vaults, Eerie Ultimatum, Wake the Past, but that's artifacts only, Dance of the Mance. But these get spendier in mana, and they also sometimes return things from your opponent's graveyards too. So we can see the power level of this. Now, we have to think, okay... What does suspend two do to this spell? Mm. You know, so it's telegraphed. People can look at your graveyard. They know what you're bringing back. Ah, uh, that gives them a lot of chances to, but you could bog it. So yeah, so yeah, they can deal with your graveyard. You guys should be running graveyard interaction. <laughs> Everyone should be at this point. But yeah, how, it's, it's pretty useful. A lot of times we have incidental graveyard interaction like that bajuka bog that you mentioned. How often do you, can you just like say, oh, I need to interact with a graveyard. Um, I can get that right now. I have the toolboxes in my deck to be able to do it. Instant speed, right? It's not as easy or as accessible. However, it's like, hey, you have two turns now to find an, a, a response to that. And everyone has two turns. Yeah, everyone has two turns. Everyone knows what's coming. Everyone can see that person's graveyard or knows, hey, if they just get certain things in there, they're going to win the game on the spot. Counterspell? Mm-hmm. That seems like a good answer to it. Everyone just says, okay. Um, you actually mentioned something too. It's just like, oh, well, you can remove the player and the spell doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you could theoretically put this on the stack and for two turns, you are the arch enemy. Yeah. Are you okay? Are you pillow forwarded up enough to stop it? Because even if you are, it's resurgent belief sucks when someone just removes your graveyard. Yeah. What so, are you going to do then? So the surprise factor of, of replenish really does win games i feel like mm -hmm. i feel like this one uh doesn't can't necessarily win games as reliably um it could just be a value you know resurgent belief a value get like i have three things in my graveyard if you're a deck that wants to run replenish then resurgent belief makes a strong case for being in that same deck if you're just a hey i have a couple of enchantments and this seems fun don't run it because mm -hmm. uh, if you're just getting a couple of things back and you scare everyone at the table because they see it being played, they're like, wait a minute, that's a very powerful effect. We got to team up on you. Then that's not good for you either, I don't think. So how good is this suspend card and how does it fit in our evaluation of the suspend cycle? I think this suspend card is very powerful because it's suspend two and there are ways to mess with time counters and it's not like a suspend four or five or three. Two turns seems a little bit more doable. There's more windows for you to play this and have it be impactful. But I do think it's bad because this is a game-winning effect and no one wants to see it happen and people will do everything they can to stop it. And if they know they just need to hold a counterspell up for it, that really feels bad. Mm -hmm. So it feels like the more powerful game-ending effects in Suspend uh, create way too much hate, whereas ones that are a little bit fairer, mm -hmm. a little bit more balanced, might actually be a fine trade for um, time versus mana. Right. I don't know. We'll, we'll, as we go through more and more of these suspend cards, we'll keep up the evaluation. We'll keep thinking about it. But I, I think that a lot of people just look at replenish on here and they're like, 
It's yeah. amazing. It's easy and, to yeah, overrate. I, sure. I really do think it's easy to overrate, and I think that this might not actually see very much play. No. Okay. Next up, search the premises. I love this art. Three in the white for an enchantment. Whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, investigate, which means you create a colorless clue artifact token with two mana, sacrifice it, draw a card. This card is not good. I'm just going to put it out there. But what? I kind of like it. <laughs> I know, we've seen like cards it. like this in the past where it's like whenever someone attacks you, do X thing, and then people just choose not to attack you or they get rid of the enchantment and you don't get the benefit. The benefit here isn't even that great, though, I don't think. Well, I think it has to do with how you you, you use the clues. Okay. You know, uh, you can use them to draw cards. That's fine. But if you use them just to draw cards, I think that you're, you've hit on something powerful, which is that's bad. Because yeah. then you look at the rate, you're paying two mana and something yeah, needs to attack six, you. Six mana for your first card draw. That's awful. You know, eight mana for your second card, 10 mana for your third card. N like none of those rates are good, Yeah. you know, and you're getting attacked every time. So I think that you need to have other ways to use your clues. Maybe you're going a little bit more clue or token tribal. Maybe you're doubling them up. Maybe you're, you know, turning them into something else. You're animating them. Right. You know, you're, you're you have ether grid. Yeah. Them. You have constructs and this pumps them all up and stuff like that. So I think that you definitely need to use all of the other clues. I think one thing that saves it is that, um, it's not saying whenever one or more creatures attack you, right. investigate whenever a creature. So, so any creature attacks you, you can investigate. So if someone attacks you with three creatures, then you find yourself having three clues and, I think having a couple clues lying around is good, but you can't, this is not a good card draw. This is a glue, good clue artifact synergy card. Yeah. Imagine you play this on the table and you just need card draw to, to start oh. winning harder. No one's going to attack you unless you pose such a threat that not attacking you is a mistake, right? People just go like, I'm not going to give them a card in this case. There's a card called Farsight Mask. It's an artifact that any deck can play. It's one mana more and you tr just draw cards if any source in the opponent controls does damage to you. So you can get pinged, you can get burned and you draw cards. That card I don't think is great either and I think puts Search the Premises in an interesting position to see exactly how good it is. Um, we've seen this now a lot, which is like four mana is the slot that Wizards is deciding. It's our powerful enchantment slot, like Smothering Tithe and stuff. And I think Smothering Tithe just like, again, you have a lot of good comparison points to see where Search to Premises is, and it's not that high on the list. I, I agree. I think that your four drop slot's going to get really crowded, like you mentioned. And like, just look at all the the new four drops that we have across, you know, the last couple years. And it's just like, this won't measure up. If you can just get an Esper Sentinel instead, play that. Yeah, instead. for sure. Sure. All right. For uh, card draw specifically. <laughs> Sarah's Emissary. For white, 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 for a 7-7 seven, seven flying angel, as Sarah's Emissary enters the battlefield, choose a card type. You and creatures you control have protection from the chosen card type. Okay, so you can choose uh, card types from creatures, enchantments, instant sorceries, planeswalkers. In this case, I think we've generally decided that creatures is the number one most chosen thing that you can choose. You and creatures you control have protection from the chosen card type. So that means that you cannot, if you choose creatures, a creature will attack you. It won't do any damage because you have protection from that creature. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining the other types, and the other types are more, you know, interacting with the players themselves rather than you like you say oh, i want protections from instance and sort or instance mm -hmm. you know then their removal might not work on you know your creatures but how often are you getting targeted with direct damage or direct discard or not something like that, that often yeah that's an instant too sorcery maybe a little more 
exactly. And so, well, sorcery still, it's like, well, what are they, what are they aiming at you? Yeah. Or what are they aiming at your creatures? A lot of times sorceries are like a board wipe. This does not give you protection from a board wipe because it doesn't target. Yeah. You know, I could see Sarah's emissary being something that blanks. Let's say you're dying to an enchantment that's milling you cards or whatever, or, or like a, um, what's the grindstone, like an artifact. Mm. Then you'd say, I want protection from artifacts because you're looking for protection for you. But generally I think you want protection from creatures because this means that your creatures can't be blocked. You can't take damage from their creatures. Tasa Envoy of Ghosts is a good example of this and Blazing Archon as well. So I think this is interesting. I, I like this card a lot because it has flexibility. It's also just a seven mana, seven, seven flying angel with a cool ability on it that I think is very specific to what you need at the moment. So if you need protection from creatures because you want to swing in or you want to stop taking damage from things, great. Then do that. I really, or if a creature's like targeting you, right? I really like a comparison to Archon of Valor's Reach. Uh, mm-hmm. Four green white for a five, six flying vigilant trampling. And when it enters the battlefield, choose art, artifact, enchantment, instant sorcery, or planeswalker. And players can't cast those chosen spells. Ah, okay. You know, I think that's a powerful big creature, but also that, that creature didn't see a lot of play. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, I, I know it's in two colors, but it's, cheaper in mana cost it actually shuts down some of what your opponents are doing rather than just being passive and protecting you yeah so that has me thinking that this you know just working against creature decks or just giving your your creatures you know free reign to attack might not do enough for seven mana yeah i mean if you're looking for a card like sun Chuan, who just gives our creatures horsemanship and basically says unblockable sarah's emissary can also do that effect as well in a way yeah okay for sure Moving on, we have a new cycle that we'll talk briefly about. This is the Evoke cycle. So evoking means that you can pay a, in a, a different cost, essentially, to play this card without having to pay its normal mana cost. So in the past, Mold Drifter is a card that we always talk about. It has an evoke cost of two in the blue. And so you get that. It enters the battlefield. You can draw two cards, and then the evoke says sacrifice a creature after it enters the battlefield. So you get the ETB ability, but you don't have to pay the full five mana for a Mold Drifter to get the 2-2 flyer. You just pay the three mana to get sort of like a divination instead. So we have Evoke Spells, another cycle of them in all the colors in Modern Horizons 2. And we need to ask ourselves, are these cards good in Commander? If so, why? If they're bad, if so, why? So Solitude is the first one we're going to talk about. It's got Flash, Lifelink, and Evoke, and an ETB ability. But let's just look at the idea that if you are to evoke a card like this, what happens? So let's read Solitude. 3 white white for a 3-2 Elemental Incarnation with Flash, Lifelink, and when Solitude enters the battlefield, exile up to one other target creature. That creature's controller gains life equal to its power. Do you want to evaluate the creature on just that creature right now, or do you want to do the evoke? Yeah, let's evaluate just that. So this is a 5-mana Flash, Lifelink, Swords to plowshares. It's great. Like, like think about like chupacabras or like these ETB other creatures that kill something. A lot of times they're at four, but this is about flash is amazing. Yeah. It exiles. Uh, and it's, it's body is a little bit more relevant as a three, two. And you can blink it. Yeah. And ETB ability means you can use this multiple times and swords of plowshares. You know, would you play swords at three mana? Yeah, probably at instant speed. Would you play it at five mana? If you could blink it and recur it all the time? Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, probably. actually, yeah. And it had a body attached to it. You can get it back. And okay. So just on its face, like I think that solitude is quite playable, uh, but maybe a little bit slow. Yeah, a little higher mana cost. Yeah. Five mana is not what you want to pay for removal spell. Okay, but we haven't finished reading the card yet. I interrupted Jimmy. The last line text says, Evoke, exile a white card from your hand. So there is not a lower mana cost for this. The mana cost is actually instead a card cost. It's like Force of Will or the, the Force of Series. 
Force of Vigor and all that, where you can exile another card that shares that same color as this from your hand and then cast Solitude for free. So you can be completely tapped out and then evoke Solitude out, get rid of, uh, you know, uh, any white card in the world, and, uh, a Timeless Dragon maybe, and then play this for free and flash instant speed, exile a creature. See, I think that that's what's really key, too, is that this has flash, and so it really does become a sort of free swords to plowshares. Yeah. Uh, allowing you to interact with your opponent's creatures at instant speed, whenever you want, whenever you're threatened. And the cost is not mana, but it is another card from your hand. So now, mm. instead of a one-for-one, one, you are two-for-one-ing yourself, which means you're spending two cards to get rid of one on the other side of the battlefield, typically. You can actually exile, exile your own stuff as well with this card. So that's the so that's the theme of all of these evoke uh, creatures that we're talking about in this cycle, is that it is not a mana cost, but a card advantage cost. And actually, I think that that is a pretty steep cost in our format. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that a lot of people feel like cards are plentiful and that they're free and that, you know, and a lot of times, yeah, you've built up your engine so you have a lot of cards in the in your hand. But the at its base, throwing away the card is a very steep cost and you shouldn't do it lightly. Um, but this is flexible. If you're gonna die, you know, if someone's something's gonna oh, attack I'll pay you. A card anytime. If yeah, it Eldrazi comes oh at my me, gosh. it's about to destroy me. Yes, like just think of all the uh, commanders out there that could just make your opponent's deck just go off and then suddenly you're like, oh, no thank you, Atali. No, yeah. you know, no thank you to or any of them. You're going to die to commander damage. This is a card that will save your life and typically Swords of Plowshares, Path to Exiles, they're getting rid of the most powerful and impactful thing on the board. So losing a card on top of that, in this case, I think Solitude's power level says, yes, that is totally fine if you need to for your, one for yourself for that. Now look at Force of Negation and Force of Vigor. Both of those cards are very good very much played and very expensive these days i could see solitude being in that same world again white needs more tools and this is a great way to do so because at the end of the day you don't have to evoke it if you just have five mana up you can still flash this out and treat it like an instant source of plowshares yeah flicker it reanimate it you know it's just there's it's so it's so useful yeah that it's attached to a creature too yeah yeah, uh, yeah. and so the level of flexibility on this is insane this is another just white staple Played in your Rune of the Hidden Realms deck, your Eldrazi Displacer deck, your deck with uh, Nathroi that can reanimate it. Carador, because Carador can actually re-evoke it from the graveyard. He doesn't have to pay Ooh. the mana cost. Pretty nice. So, yeah, I like this card a lot. It's I I don't think I'm the only person in Solitude. I know, this card. right? I don't think that we're we're convincing people. They're like, yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. This card's good. Okay, cool. Talk about the next one. I, I, I think that the the, <laughs> the information that we bring to the table is that people are blanket thinking this is amazing and they're going to be very uh, willing to throw away a white card to kill something relevant. But I just caution that that is way more of a cost than anyone says. Yeah. I see way many people, way too many people force a willing things that uh, don't matter that put them down a card, you know, and that card is a very big cost. Yeah, and now if you have a lot of card draw, sure, no problem. But just keep in mind that when we talk about the other evoke creatures in this cycle, some of their evoke costs, you're going to be like, nope, I never want to do that because the effect isn't good enough for that card. Yeah. All right. Timeless, timeless dragon. Three white, white for a 5-5 five, five flying dragon with planes cycling for two. That means you can discard this card and look for a planes. Any planes, Any planes by the card, way. Yeah, yeah, so it could be a card that says has a planes subtype on it. Yeah. It also has eternalize for two white, white. That means that you can exile it from your graveyard and it can become a 4-4 four, four zombie. Okay. So eternal dragon throwback, right? 
That's pretty yeah. nice. I like that. But Eternal Eternal Dragon, it it needed an upgrade because Eternal Dragon was was not good and not played. Yeah. Um, Eternal Dragon basically also had plane cycling. It's like cool, it had plane cycling, but it costs so much mana during your upkeep to get it back to your hand so you could play it again and just Yeah, you're gonna you pay three white white to get it back and then play five white white to get a five five flyer. In this case, you're paying five mana for a five five flyer, and then when you eternalize it, you're paying four mana for a four four flyer. This is the power creep. Imagine the gathering in a nutshell right here but even even with this amount of power creep i don't know if it's that great because like do we want a vanilla five five flyer or a vanilla four four flyer yeah do you want a plane cycler maybe actually i think that plane cycling is super good because plane cycling is the kind of thing that lets you play fewer lands yeah um so effects that let you play fewer lands and still hit your mana have your mana be reliable is really good so if this is kind of free then yeah but yeah. uh, that's a slippery slope to just yeah. start cutting lands for yeah. these kinds of cards. But it is something that can help you, you know, It'll definitely smooth, smooth out your, out your game. Yeah. yeah. And not to mention, it can also fix your mana. If you're in a cycling deck, a card like this could be a little more interesting. But on a cycling deck, I would 100% play this. I think yeah. that it's great in a cycling deck. Um, it's cute, though. I like it. It's still like a two for one. It's still value because you can plane cycle and then eternalize it. Yeah. So essentially what that is, is a uh, six mana five five flyer that drew you a planes. But again, that's four, not... 4-4 four Flyer that draws you a plane. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 4-4 four, four Flyer that draws you a plane. Now, that's a card that I think is actually fine for especially mono-white decks. It's it's fine. You know, on an installment plan, it's fine. But, but you're not, like, super stoked about it. Yeah, you're that. not going crazy. Okay, so that is white in Modern Horizons 2. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. I think Solitude is amazing. I like Sarah's Emissary quite a bit. And obviously, Esper Sentinel. My I know. Goodness. Resurgent Belief has Replenish Oof, on a card. Like, I didn't think I would see that again. That's crazy. Um... Okay, let's so, move on. Yeah, we're going to move on to, to black. Uh, we're going to talk about black cards right now. And we're going to start off strong with Archon of Cruelty. Oh, yeah. Six black black. That's eight mana for a six six flying Archon. Whenever Archon of Cruelty enters the battlefield or attacks, target opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker, discards a card, and loses three life. You draw a card and gain three life. Wow, so this is very similar to Cruel Ultimatum, which is a Grixis card, so it's blue, black, and red. But you, it doesn't, doesn't say Sacrifice a Creature or Planeswalker. It's Sacks a Creature, discards three cards, and loses five life, and then you sort of do the opposite. Uh, this, in this case, it's a creature that's eight mana, but whenever it ETBs or attacks, an opponent basically gets hosed. <laughs> they Sacrifice a Creature Planeswalker, sometimes not relevant, discards a card, sometimes can hurt, and loses three life. Those all three together, I think, make a, a difference. And not to mention, you can play this, give it haste in some way, and attack someone, and then they're doing that twice, and you're going to draw two cards and gain six life as well. That, I mean, that's pretty oh, powerful. Oh, man, if you, can, if you can... I think that that's the power that you're talking about, cheating this into play, giving a haste, like sneak attacking it into yeah. play. Um, you mentioned Chainer Nightmare Adept. Yep, you know, it gives it haste. able to get it into play. Uh, and that's what you want to do. You want to cheat it in. Because casting this for eight mana, I love that you get the effect once, but someone's got to kill this right yeah like just casting it's, it for eight mana like eight mana spells need to end the game and this is a this is powerful but it's a very slow game ender right? yeah so you want to be able to reanimate it or use like belby corrupted observer to get it out very early like turn three um a cheaper version of a card that does similar things is vindictive lich and oh, we've yeah. seen that do a lot of work as well so if you're looking for this effect archon of cruelty might not be where you want to go maybe you want to play a vindictive lich instead or this is just in your big reanimator deck you're going to toss this into the bin you're going to get it on the battlefield the nice thing is that it immediately does its effect so that's pretty cool that's that's a strong etb it's just an eight mana card so 
I jumped in uh, to read Archon of Cruelty so that you could read the next one, Jim. Oh, thanks. This might be the most push car of the set. It's Douthy Voidwalker. Black, black for a creature Douthy Rogue. That's a 3-2. Its first line of text is Shadow. So this creature can block or be blocked only with creatures with Shadow. So it's essentially unblockable, unless you have another creature out there that has Shadow on it. It also says, if a card will be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, instead, exile it with a Void counter on it. That's Leyline of the Void, basically. And then there's another line of text <laughs> where you tap and sacrifice Douthy Voidwalker, choose an exiled card an opponent owns with a void counter on it. You may play it this turn without paying its mana cost. Okay. This is too much. <laughs> this is quite simply too much. I thought I was giving Jimmy a treat by reading this, but now he's like angry. I mean, <laughs> I'm angry, but I'm playing it in Marchesa because you can sag it with a plus one plus one counter and get it back. Oh my god! So there's gosh. so many cards, parts about this card that's pushed. Let's just talk about the uh, if a card be put anywhere into an opponent's graveyard, you exile it with a void counter instead. That by itself, if this was just a black, black enchantment that said that is playable in EDH. Yeah, Not we would playable, actually, it's good. Yeah, we would be, be urging you, like, you need Graveyard Interruption, please play this card. Like, it's, yeah. it's worth it. It's also asymmetrical, so it does not affect your graveyard. Oh. Oh. Okay, so... That by that's itself good. already makes a good card. And some people, by the way, there are some decks out there that do want the body. They want a three power unblockable, like Sig River Cutthroat uh, or, or Ninja decks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they yeah. do want something that is that can get damage through and that can be really difficult to interact with, difficult to block. So, that's why it's so good in Marchesa because you get a plus one plus one counter on it because it has shadow. It has an amazing effect on it and then you can sack it. It'll come back because of Marchesa and you get to play that card. That's the crazy thing is you can play that card without paying its mana cost this isn't like a card where it imprints and you can only exile one thing at a time every single thing gets exiled with void counters on it and so if someone discards something if it gets milled if it gets placed there any from the battlefield you get to play that if it's an eldrazi you know oh my gosh i also like that it's it's any card it doesn't even just hit creature cards it just hits any card yeah oh my god i think this gets around the shuffle effects of eldrazi too because it says instead so it goes in the graveyard instead of doing whatever happens you exile it instead so the fact that you can just sacrifice this on as early as turn three and play that card is really nuts to me really nuts it's crazy you can pay it you don't have to pay the mana cost and it affects everything. So if someone has a board wipe and their their huge crazy seven drop, eight drop dies, Douthy Voidwalker, you know, if it survives the board wipe, I don't know. It, it even says play. You can like just play a land. Oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> do wow. You know, do you know even even if this is just like tap like get a land yeah like an extra land drop is actually still fine this, this is I, so good i feel like this is mythic power level i think if they wanted to bring it down a notch it wouldn't have shadow it'd be like a one one it would cost more mana and then when you sack it you would exile it but the fact that you can recur this back and redo it over and over again is what makes this card so very very good it's good on so many levels i mean yeah it's great it's great this card is just nuts i'm yeah okay cardking.com slash commands on pickle <laughs> If they still have them, because that card's going to sell like hot cakes. All hot right. Douthy cakes. Okay. <laughs> Let's look at the next card. It is the next card in the Evoke cycle. It's Grief. Solitude and Grief. These are very emo good, names. Good names. Good names. Yeah. Uh, two black black for a 3-2 menacing elemental incarnation. When Grief... Sorry. Menace. Menace, yeah. Yes. Or uh, menacing. I like menacing yeah. too. That's cool. When Grief enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card. Mm. It also has... Jimmy's already down on this. It also has <laughs> Evoke 
exile a black card from your hand. Good grief, as Charlie Brown would say. Uh, yeah, the reason I don't like this card is that I personally never, ever play effects like Duress or Thoughtseize or things that look in the hand and then get rid of a card from it. Especially if it's discarding. It's just like, whatever. Yeah, I think that if you, the higher the power level you are, um, the more likely you'll you'll look at grief and think that it's something that you'd want to play because right. you know they're you're willing to give up card advantage by going after what your opponents have in hand. If you can save the game by you know taking something critical out of your opponent's hand, then grief can be worth it. But for the most part, what are you going to take? Like their ramp spell? Yeah. You know, the big creature that's coming down a little bit later. Taking out only one card from one opponent in a multiplayer game means that they're down a card, sure, but like... You might be down two because you had to evoke this. Oh my gosh. It also doesn't have flash, so that means you have to do it on your turn, which makes it a little worse as well. So I think, look, if you're going to be flickering this or reanimating it a bunch and you have a high-powered meta that demands hand disruption, then this is playable. And there are are decks that have discard built around it, like we talked about Torok in one of these ones right now. um, ultimately, here's where I think it stands. I think this card's going to be insane and modern, and so it's going to be way too expensive for me to want to buy it and put it in a commander deck. Yeah. I just like, if, even if I get one, I'll be like, oh, hello, modern friend. Here. Like, right, right. Here's, we your, should, we here's should, your grief. Let me get exactly. three of the other cards that I like. We should make a note that Modern Horizons 2 is a set literally meant to print new cards into modern, and as such, that market of players is also going to affect the prices of cards. So mm-hmm. cards like grief, good grief, they may cost a lot because of modern and not commander. So don't be tricked. All right, next up is Magus of the Bridge, another in the Magus of series, which gives us classically powerful cards, but printed on creatures instead. Before there was Magus of the Wheel, Magus of the Balance, I think, Magus of the Bazaar, Candelabra, all that. This time, this is Bridge from Below. So this is black, black, black for a 4-4 creature human wizard. Whenever a non-token creature is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Whenever a creature is put into an opponent's graveyard from the battlefield, you exile Magus of the Bridge. So there's a chance you could play this for three mana, and then someone sacks a creature and immediately gets rid of it. (laughs) Jimmy, immediately going for the downside. Yeah. Uh, Well, here's the thing. I think that people will compare it to Bridge from Below, and that is actually a very popular card, and basically people would mill bridges into their own graveyard and create a bunch of zombies. Mm -hmm. Um, That worked because you had four copies of Bridge, and you had really reliable ways to put them into your graveyard. And your deck and, was built around it too. Yeah, and and a handful of zombies could win a game of 1v1 with 20 life. Yeah. Um, Magus of the Bridge is not doing any of those things, so you have to think about it. Okay, Magus of the Bridge is, is going to die. It's not going to attack well, so nope. it being a four power... Four, 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 three doesn't really factor in very much at mm-hmm. all. Uh, it's going to die. How many zombies does this need to create? Uh, six. <laughs> no, probably three. <laughs> I think three zombies, like one a black man. If this created three zombies, I would be, I'd be fine. Yeah. How many hoops do you have to jump through to get those three zombies? A lot. And you, your deck needs to be built around this, right? Because you have to be sacking things from uh, non-tokens from your graveyard uh, to the graveyard from your battlefield. Or you have to find a way to... Like, if you're building your deck around uh, uh, Bridge from Below, then yeah, yeah maybe Magnus of the like, Bridge works. So what about this in an Aristocrats deck? Uh, I could see that happening. Um, you have to have a pretty good setup for it to go. But again, just one opponent having a sack outlet means that you don't get to choose the timing of this because they can send you into your like combo at any time by saying, all right, I'm going to sack creature. Mags of the Bridge is going to trigger. Now you have to do everything in response to that. Otherwise, the effect goes away. Yeah. And honestly, you, this will never sit around on the battlefield creating value turn after turn because if yeah. anyone wants it dead, hey, Jimmy, 
Do you want to deal with Josh's Magus of the Bridge? Yeah, swing at me with that Attack one. with a 1-1. Yeah, okay, cool. There you Block. go. Okay, your Magus of the Bridge is dead. Not to mention it's one of a creature, so you can swing your little 1-1 to tokens uh, to get rid of the Magus. But if you're in control of the Magus, you obviously have to be sacrificing non-token creatures. Okay, that is going to do it for half of our episode. We have another amazing half of cards coming up, including finishing off black and going into some of the very exciting multicolored cards. But before we get to it, a quick message from our mid-roll sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. What's up? We are back with more Modern Horizons 2 review. Uh, we've had some real big hits so far with the Douthy Voidwalkers and half the things in white. So let's see if Black can finish it off strong, and then we're going to dive into the multicolored cards. So let's talk about a, uh, a new Goyf. Yep, it's Necro Goyf. Three black black for a star four. It's a star. 
It's a creature, Lurgoyf. Uh, Necrogoyf's power is equal to the number of creature cards in all graveyards. Okay. okay. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player discards a card. Ah. And it has madness for one black black. Ah, so if you discard this card, you discard it into exile. And when you do, you can pay the madness cost for it, which is three mana instead of five mana. And then it gets cast. And you can ignore timing restrictions with that, too. First off, I love that it has madness. I feel like there aren't enough over-the-top commander madness abilities. Yes. Like, when you build a madness deck, it feels like... Yeah, I, a I, lot of, like, oh, yeah, like sucks am I, cards, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, am I jumping through these hoops, hoops just to play a lightning bolt? Like, yeah, yeah. like, where's the power? And this feels like a very powerful effect. Now, it's not going to go in every single deck, um, but this effect at the beginning of each player's upkeep... That player discards a card? Yeah, each player. So that could happen three times around the table uh, after you play the Necrogoyf, when it gets back to you. Yeah. That's um, good. That, you do have to discard cards yourself, but there are enchantments that are already played in decks that do this, mm-hmm. you know? And because this has madness, it synergizes with all these other things. So you have redundant effects that make everyone discard. Uh, and if you have one of those redundant effects going, you can discard and play this Lorgoy for its madness cost and then make people discard even more cards. Yeah. Now, Mark Rosewire specifically said they wanted madness to be a little more viable in command or in modern so that's why they added some more madness cards in the set necrogoyf is obviously a stand in that world if you're playing on your falcon wrath this seems like an automatic include into your deck because it gives you another way to discard a card and to just cycle through your deck yeah discard decks like tiny bones trinket thief or torok dread cantor uh just seems like a no-brainer for this kind of card yeah now i don't think this is ever going to be like a game ender because typically with these cards you know you put up mortior as the the comparison mortivore Mortivore, yeah. yeah, they don't they don't end games typically. They don't have trample; they can get blocked. So I'm not as it's got caring. Four toughness, right? Yeah, I don't but care it could get much. really big, right? Yeah, like, it could get big. It could be like a 24 at some point, maybe a little bigger. But it's not going to win you the game. So you're looking more for the effect of at the beginning of each player's upkeep, they discard a card, and you can madness it for three mana. So that's a pretty good rate for a, for an effect like that. Absolutely. All right, let's Ooh, take a look. Yeah, at, this one's spicy. Yeah, persist. It's a little Kithkin coming out there, right? I think it's a Kithkin. One in the black for a sorcery. Return target non-legendary creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield with a minus one, minus one counter on it. That's such a clever card. Wow. Because it's persist and it has a minus one, it has a persist counter on it. Yeah, I that's love really, that. That's really great. And it only costs one in the black to do so at sorcery speed. This is a very strong reanimator effect. The only downside is that it can't be a legendary creature and it will come to the battlefield with a minus one, minus one counter on it. So it might die if it's got one toughness. It will die if got one toughness don't do it to a one toughness creature also it's only your graveyard some of these reanimation effects you can hit your opponent's graveyard so it gives you more options we just talked about three kind of downsides huh yeah do they matter the minus one minus one counter i'd say no because you're i don't think you're bringing back a tiny thing with this yeah the only thing it matters on is your woodfall primus Ah, very good point. <laughs> but um, on, what about Undying Creature? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're bringing this back on something big. Uh, if you have a, pl- a way to put plus one, plus one counters on it, you can negate that effect. Um, I-, I think this card's so powerful. I don't care about the fact that it can't target other graveyards. This is a super cheap rate. We play Reanimate, which is sorcery for one black mana, and you lose life. It can target legendary creatures, but oftentimes I'm bringing back all sorts of crazy things. Yeah, I think that Necromancy is, is good, you know, mm-hmm. and that's three mana for a vulnerable enchantment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and then we get bigger a lot of times you can see it pretty reliably at like four and five uh, but that means that you're not cheating mana as much the cheaper these reanimation f- effects are the more opportunities you have to cheat mana of the creature that you're putting on the battlefield and so if you're paying five and getting a six drop 
back from your graveyard or a seven drop back from your graveyard it's okay you're cheating two mana thumbs up you know what i mean but yeah. like this has the potential to like get that seven mana creature back earlier on turn two mm -hmm. suddenly that has a bigger impact because your big creatures hitting the battlefield sooner yep. and the mana cost really matters with this stuff along with by the way being able to go back to back being able to say i play this effect to pitch this card and then i play persist to get it back because it's you just can, two mana exactly so yeah. it really does being this cheap really does open up a lot more lines than you think i'm just sad i can't get legendary creatures because there's some cool legendary creatures i want to bring true back. i do see this as one of your many reanimate spells in your deck it's it's better than your animate deads, I think, in a lot of ways, because the animate dead, if it gets removed, so goes your creature. But Persist just brings it back. And then I would say Black Dut is the color of a lot of Legendary Matters decks, like Kethys, uh, Primeval's Glorious Rebirth, Arvod the Cursed, all cares about Legendary stuff. So it does have a little downside, because Black does seem to care about that idea more than anything else. But you're running Persist on top of your reanimates and your other uh, animate dead spells. For sure. Uh, okay, let's talk about another card in the cycle. It is Profane Tutor, and it's in the Suspend cycle. Yeah. So this has Suspend 2 for one and a black. Search your library for a card, put that card into your hand, then shuffle. It's a Demonic Tutor. Oof. It costs the same amount. It's a sorcery. Now you do cast it two turns after, but I think this is actually very good. Uh, I think it's good too, honestly. So when we're talking about the, the case scenarios, I think that demonic tutor, uh, a lot of people play it as a value demonic tutor in many situations, right? They're like, okay, I'm just going to play this and get what I need right now. Yeah. You know, uh, if you are playing demonic tutor for its combo potential, if you're playing demonic tutor to be like more toolboxy to get the answer that you need right now, then profane tutor gets worse. But a lot of the times, you're just like, people play Demonic Tutor like, all right, you know, I drew it. Cool. I'm going to cast it, get what I need, whatever I need right now. Right now, and yeah. And play what I need right now. Consecrated Sphinx. Yeah. Uh, Toxic Deluge. Uh, one of the things about uh, tutors is that they also get worse with how much mana you pay for them. So, you know, a... a Diabolic tutor. Diabolic tutor costs four. Yeah, do you I would see say that played very often? Not I, really. I think that's yeah, I think that people play it in budget decks and they they kind of pretend that they like it, but I don't think it's good because you're adding four mana to the card that you're gonna play, and you have way fewer opportunities to be able to cast the spell and then cast what you're gonna do. Especially if it's a big drop. But I mean, obviously tutoring cards to your hand is still powerful. So you have to ask yourself now, do I mind waiting two turns or I would rather just play a diabolic tutor and get it the turn I want it? So, but sometimes the mana cost prevents you from doing that. Mm -hmm. um, this, the time prevents you from doing it too. So both of those cards are quite poor at getting that um, toxic deluge that you need yeah. right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're both, but, but this one is better at getting you that Consecrated Sphinx because just imagine that you're like, okay, uh, oh, cool. I'll suspend this on turn two and then you wait two turns, you know, and then you know what you're getting and then you can spend all of your mana to cast your Sphinx right when you need it. Right, because when you suspend it, you cast it for free. I actually think that sometimes a Demonic Tutor cast on turn two would be better off if it was cast on turn six or seven. Now knowing what threat needs to get deal with or someone dealt with or someone becomes the arch enemy and you're like, okay, I need to get a specific answer to 
to them. I'm glad I didn't tutor until now. Because sometimes I'll tutor for something, get it, and be like, great, I have this cyclonic rift that I'm not going to play for the next 13 turns of this game. Would it have been better for me to demonic tutor later on or like even a few turns later and said, hey, I actually need card draw right now more than anything else. So I think as long as you're drawing profane tutor before turn like five, it's really, really good because you're okay waiting a couple turns to tutor because you're going to have more information. You have more information you see what you need and you get what you need in that moment. Uh, and you're, the moment can change. Just and like I don't said. think any deck should ever be built around needing a tutor to make its thing work. So tutors in a lot of ways I mean, to combo me. combo decks do that. That's why yeah, this that's is not good deck. in that exactly in that situation i think in general right like a tutor is like a cherry on top of like or a, a little bit of redundancy to know you can get the pieces that are really important but your deck should function without the tutor so i think in this case a tutor is still powerful enough the fact that you're going to cast it for free two turns after you suspend it, it it's pretty good how threatening is this someone suspends a profane tutor what do you do as an opponent I just wait and do nothing, right? Typically, you want to wanna counter the thing they're tutoring for if you can. But what are you going to do? When they play Demonic Tutor, I just go, yep, you got to find the best card in your deck right now, and that's how it works. Profane Tutor, it's like you got to find the best card in your deck in a couple of turns. Maybe I hold back the big threat that I know is going to draw their attention, but I'm still going to probably play my game mostly the same because mm. you have no guarantees. Maybe they're going to get something to help them out instead of attacking you or whatever. So, so this seems a little bit less uh, threatening than, than, say, the Replenish one, right? Yeah, definitely less game-ending because the Replenish one just says, this is the way that I win the game. Profane Tutor could say, this is the way that I get back in the game. This is the way that I clear the board. This is the way I draw cards. This is the way that I shut down the Arch Enemy. There's so many different options. That seems options. powerful, too. That seems very powerful. It does, but it doesn't yeah. say, you know, unless it's a combo deck, this yeah. usually doesn't say, I'm going to win the game if you let this resolve. I think it's because it's hidden information. People look at your graveyard yeah. with the other one, and they're like, oh, oh, you are... You you are a threat. Yeah, yeah, With yeah. this one, it's like, it's just like a demonic tutor. They, they don't know what you're going to do. Yeah. And so if they know your deck well enough, they can say, oh, they're, they're going to combo. Yep. You and know? you can play Profane Tutor in any deck you want. That can play black. Unmarked Grave is our final black card. It is uh, one in the black for a sorcery. Search your library for a non-legendary card. Put that card into your graveyard, then shuffle. So kind of similar to Persist in that it is specifically looking at non-legendaries. But one in the black, sorcery, Get in tomb, get a card into your graveyard. So in tomb is one mana uh, instant. instant. Okay, so a few a few key differences, but in tomb it's twenty five dollars and it's played in twenty five thousand decks. Whoa! It's actually just an amazing ability. You wouldn't think that it's just, a tutor. Yeah, right? just put put something into your graveyard. It's like wait, what? It just goes in my graveyard. Your graveyard can be an extension of your hand, especially if you have cards like persist. And so, mm -hmm. unmarked grave being worse than entomb doesn't matter. It's still like the second best effect of this. Yeah, and it's just one mana more. Sure, it's not an instant, but you get to put a lot of stuff in there. Buried Alive is another really powerful card that gets played in these decks quite a bit. I think this is right in between there. Yeah. Uh, buried alive is three mana and can get three creatures into there i mm -hmm. like that you can get non-creatures just has to be non-legendary so you right. can throw you know your life from the loam or your dredge enabler uh, in there. you can throw you know your obviously those creatures to reanimate or those creatures that have activated abilities from the graveyard yep. in there like you can do a lot of stuff with this yeah, if you have Moldrotha or Oof. Armix or Lurus of the Green Den, uh, Dream Den, they all want non-creatures in your graveyard as well. So Unmarked Grave seems pretty powerful there. Um, 
I Again, like it. it's the same. It's the same conversation we have about non-legendary. Sometimes you're like, uh, you just got to look through your deck, and you have to find out what, how much that impacts you. Totally. I don't think it impacts you as much with this one because no. if you're building a reanimator deck, you're just like, all right, you know, I'm gonna run, you know, Archon, Archon cruelty, of Cruelty, like instead of I don't know this other legendary demon, you know, yeah. that could be powerful, Villas or something like that. You're like, I'm just gonna run Archon of Cruelty instead. I've built my deck around the cards that I have access to, or both. Run both. Or both. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to the last category for today's set review. And this is these are the multicolored cards in the set. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, seven or eight cards to look at here. Uh, and they're pretty awesome. Yeah. Starting off with uh, the dude in the commercials, it's Dakon, Shadow Slayer. This is pretty fun here. Uh, white, a blue, and a black, Esper, for a legendary planeswalker with zero loyalty. Dakon enters the battlefield with a number of loyalty counters on him equal to the number of lands you control. Hmm. Uh, plus one to surveil two. So you look at the top two cards of your library. You can decide whether you put them on top or into the graveyard. Minus three, exile target creature. And minus six, you may put an artifact card from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. Okay. Dakon on turn three with three lands is coming in as a three loyalty planeswalker. It can surveil or exile a target creature. Dakon on turn five or six that comes in with six lands, you can immediately ultimate him and use that three mana spell to put an artifact from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. It could be a creature, it could just be an artifact. Pretty strong. I think that this is really strong because the 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 basically the worst case scenario of three mana exile target creature is fine. You know what I mean? Unmake is a similar card. It doesn't see a lot of play, but there are three mana exile creature effects that are fine in commander totally played. Mm -hmm. uh, if you happen to have four mana, you know, four lands when this comes in and you just want to get rid of a creature, this still only costs three. You know yeah. what I mean? So your removal spell still only costs three, but then you have this surveilling thing that's giving you a card advantage that's still on the battlefield. That's great. Yeah, this seems just awesome to be honest because it gets better later in the game it goes commander games you better have more than six lands out in play unless you're me by the end of the game so that means dakon coming out later in the game turns six seven or eight instant ultimate means you could put a blight steel colossus onto the battlefield chromatic orrery uh bolas's citadel oh i want bolas's citadel that sounds nice yeah that sounds real and nice. by the way the surveil helps you get there because you yeah can, that's right like you um, blight steel not so much because it'll get shuffled in but like you surveil and you're like oh bolas's citadel you're like I can't cast that. You throw it in the graveyard and you still have access to it when your Dakon finally ult ultimates. Yeah, and you're probably running other artifact recursion cards as well. Oh, um, so if you have Aminatu and you're blinking Dakon, he comes back with more loyalty oh, counters man. later in the game. You're right. Yeah, so I, I like this Planeswalker quite a bit. Um, I think it's just got so many modes to it that are always relevant. And even the minus, right? Like, I would just play this as a three mana exile target creature. Yeah, just a modal exile creature. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, do you want to do you want to know a cool piece of of uh, um, oh yeah bling bling or a thing? Okay, cool. So some of when this was spoiled, some uh, command zone fans uh, tweeted at me and messaged me that on our bling episode, I have a deck on black blade that has this art as an artist proof on the back. Oh, so from our bling episode, they were like. DJ has a deck on Blackblade with this exact art on it. Wait, so, no way. Yeah, so yeah, so Richard Kane Ferguson basically just said like, "Oh, I have another version of Dakon that I love to draw," and he threw it on on wow. the new and, card. And how long ago did you get that? Years. We were still going to Magic Fest. Amazing. <laughs> we were going uh, to GPs. We we're going yeah, to GPs, GPs back then. Woo! Woo! <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, next up, uh, another great card. Really excited for this one as well. Oh my gosh, this this is going to be another staple. Yeah. It's damn. Damn. Damn is... Kendrick Lamar says hello. Uh, Damn is black, black for a sorcery. Destroy target creature. A creature destroyed this way can't be regenerated. Okay, it's a black removal spell. Black removal spell. Wait. Uh, it has overload for two white, white. So when you play a card with overload, you basically replace target with each. So destroy each creature. A creature destroyed this way can't be regenerated. Wrath of God. This is Wrath of God with an alternate casting cost of black, black. Right. Or so, a removal spell with an alternate casting cost of Wrath of God. Wow. So this is not a Damnation reprint. Sorry to get your hopes up there. It's just a damn. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's black and white. That's really important. There are mana symbols in the text box. Means that this has to go in the multicolored section. This is an yeah. Orzov card. This card is sweet, though. I mean, this is just such a good board wipe for any decks that can play black and white because of the fact that it's modal. You can cast it just as a single removal spell if you only get, get rid of one thing or overload and wipe the board. Having that flexibility, fantastic. By the way, black at two mana, oftentimes their removal spells are still conditional. Non-artifact, monocolored, right. you know, things like that. They've, they've come with conditions. And this is just kill something. And then Wrath of God is so playable. It's so good. This is just a new staple in decks that can cast it. It's amazing. I think even if you added one mana to each of the sides of these, so it's one black, black to destroy a creature and three white, white for the board wipe, it's still pretty darn good. So that just shows how good I think pretty this card is. Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. We can say that word now because Wizards printed it on the card. Damn, damn, I was damn, damn, quoting. Damn. <laughs> okay. Me too. Me too. Every time I said the word, editors just put the card up a bunch of times ah. in front of their mouth. Ah, <laughs> damn. Great card. Moving on, we have Ether Sworn Sphinx. Seven, a white, and a blue for a 4 4 artifact creature Sphinx. It has affinity for artifacts, which means the spells cost one less for each artifact you control. It has flying and cascade. So, Jimmy, is affinity uh, a fair, um, um, you know, safe? Uh, <laughs> ability. Oh, I don't know. It's one of the best decks in modern. That's for sure. Uh, it, they they printed affinity on things, and it they broke. They just broke. You know, they made seven mana four fours. Just that's it. Seven mana four fours. You know, or four mana two twos. Little frog mites. Frog and mites. like like they went crazy. And now we have. Granted, it's a different time, and this is different. But now we have this nine mana affinity reducing four four flying. With cascade. cascade. And it cascades not for what you paid for it, but it's mana value. So it will cascade seeing everything less than nine. Wow. You could cast an eight drop for free, but the affinity could make this only cast white blue. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, they, they in Modern Horizons too. I don't know if you noticed, they like stacking three lines of text on all of these suckers. So this is pretty powerful. I think if you have a way to play this in a deck, and this is uncommon, by the way, we're talking about this in the set review. Yeah. If you have a way to play this, you have a ton of artifact generation in here. You got your uh, what was that white card we talked about? You have your <laughs> yes, uh, search you the premises. Have clues, clues uh, are doing something good now. <laughs> or your smothering tithe, right? This could cost smothering white, tithe. blue, and blam, get you another huge creature potentially. You have blue, so you can brainstorm something to. The of your deck before you Tons cast this as well yeah yeah mirror battlesphere thopter assembly brea any cards that create love artifacts with it make ether sworn sphinx kind of a, a, a card that i think would be really good in those types of decks yeah um I, yeah it's 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 weird to have so much to say about an uncommon but i'm a big fan I love yeah it. i think you'll see this for sure in those artifact decks just again it's a free two for one right and especially if you have top deck manipulation you can get another eight drop out of it by potentially only paying up you know two mana at the minimum pretty nice all right next up we have a planeswalker it's gaydrone die 
Da? Dihada, Diadron, Gayadron, Gayadrone, Dihada, who knows? GD. 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 Uh, one blue, black, red for a four loyalty planeswalker. Dihada. Uh, protection from permanence with corruption counters on them. Comes in with a four loyalty. Yes. Uh, plus one. Each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Put a corruption counter on up to one other target creature or planeswalker. Okay. Uh, minus three. Gain control of target creature or planeswalker until end of turn. Untap it. Put a corruption counter on it. It gains haste until end of turn. Mm. Minus seven. Gain control of each permanent with a corruption counter on it. Okay. Uh, to get up to that ultimate, you have to plus three, yeah. plus one, three times, and then sub minus. It's going to be difficult You'll to get steal to the three things. And here's yeah. the thing. This is not a good doubling season commander because the corruption counters need to be on the cards before you're able to steal them with Dihada. So this is by itself just a one... Uh, one blue, black, red, four loyalty planeswalker with a couple of interesting abilities. So plus one, uh, four mana to drain two and then keep a creature from attacking Diada. Not keep a creature from attacking you or your other planeswalkers, but just protect that one. Um, that mechanic feels much better in 1v1 where there's like maybe one or two creatures. You, yeah. can, you can just say, hey, you know, you can't attack me with that one and then you keep your planeswalker around. Yeah, Dihad in is insane in one-on-one, especially on an yeah. empty board. You just target their thing. They can never attack you with it because Dihad has protection from them. Yeah, and then you tick up, you tick up, you tick up. They finally put down something big and relevant. You're like, okay, I'll steal, steal that. everything I've been you know tar- targeting since like, then, yeah. And, yeah. I've, and I've gained eight life in between then. It's crazy. So uh, I think this deck is really good. Threaten effect as well on top. So if you have a stack yeah, so outlet. I think that you want the threaten effect because like, yeah. here's the thing. Ticking up in multiplayer, you tick up, you neuter one creature. Someone's just going to attack Diada, right? Yep. Like, and, and it's just, she's going to die. Bye-bye. So I think that you want this minus three, this threaten effect. Uh, there are a few decks that could want to threaten. Uh, you play one of them, Jimmy. Yeah, of course. It's Marchesa. I love this card so much. Every time I see cards in her colors, like Dihada, it's just nuts. Uh, there's also Obeka Brute Chronologist, which allows you to, st- to take that creature forever because you can end the turn before it uh, needs to gain con- lose control at the end of turn, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then people like, st- so there's a lot of stealing that you do in like Boros and other red, red based colors. You know, it's actually, there are only a couple that are in Grixis. Mm-hmm. Um, but Merchus is the, like a big one. You know what I mean? That's because, a big one. you know, um, because it says you can, you basically, it's a creature that you control. You can put it on and then it Correct. comes back and then you it can keep it. comes back under your control. Right. Yeah. You can keep it with Obeka, Admiral Becca Brass. That's just more thematic where they have like a lot of stealing. She looks oh, like yeah, a pirate. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She does, does she look, look like a pirate? Yeah, she looks piratey, but she looks, well, she does have, these look like squid tentacles. I'm not sure. Oh, she's dangerous. I like those squid tentacles. If she's like, there's a, a lot going if on If she's here. like an octopus on the bottom, that'd be very cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. Or she is just, I don't know. She's, she's a lot. She's just evil. Yeah, she's just evil she just looks very very evil corruption sure. counter she's corruption she's corrupted corrupted yeah. okay, okay 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 all right next up we have moderation one white and a blue for an enchantment you can't cast more than one spell each turn whenever you cast a spell draw a card okay so each turn so this isn't just each turn cycle you could be that deck that has four instants in it you cast one in your turn draw a card pass turn cast one on dj's turn one on megan's turn one on maria's turn okay you i feel like you need to do that because double spelling and casting multiple spells is one of the best things to do in commander uh, you want to <laughs> win jimmy just ones up one ups me quadruple Yo, spelling jimmy, quadruple that's <laughs> how you win DJ. the game quadruple spelling is the way to win the game uh but 
And also, by the way, like you want to have a real curve. And mm -hmm. so oftentimes you'll want to, you know, cantrip into something else, you know? Uh, so this is a real cost, one spell per turn, you know? But if you play the all instance deck, you play Raph Capuchin, where yeah. you're always playing something on every person's turn. Elsha of the Infinite, you always have oh, cast stuff right. at the top of your deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, Otherwise, I mean, I feel like you need to draw a lot of cards off of this because, you know, three or four mana just draw one card a turn. Not good. Not good because it limits you way too much, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. A lot of these cards, like, like for example, Recycle in Green, Null uh, Profusion in Black, uh, they have this similar effect wherever you play something, you get to draw something, but like they they feel like glimpse of nature where you kind of like churn mm -hmm. through your deck you're like bam 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 this one is so much more slower card advantage um but could you see yourself playing this in like a control deck i don't always think play so, on your turn deck because what if you need to i don't know like you'd have to find a way to get rid of the moderation at some point i think if you want to combo off and win or whatever you're doing for me this seems like a very much constructed level card for modern much less so than one that's gonna be great in edh i mean we can abuse it more than modern because we have more players to play turns on that's true but <sighs> it's still a pretty big thing that you have to deal with that that seems like a lot and yeah. i don't i don't know if i'm there yet i know what you mean i'm not there yet Okay, next up we got Priest of Fell Rites, white and a black for a 2-2 human warlock. You can tap it and pay three life, sacrifice it, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, activate only as a sorcery. And you also have Unearth, so you can pay three a white and a black to return this card from your graveyard to the battlefield, and it gains haste, and it, get, it would be exiled if it leaves the battlefield or at the beginning of the next end step. You can unearth only as a sorcery. So you can unearth this, tap it, pay three life, and then sack it to return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, or you can play it for two mana, wait a turn, and then do that. Uh, I like this a lot. Yeah, so this is like a, a reanimation effect in black and white that you could potentially use twice, where you play the Priest of Fell Rites early, you use it, sacrifice it, pay the life, get a creature back, and then you unearth it on a future turn, and then you can tap it and do it the moment you unearth it without having to pay any extra mana to get another creature back, or maybe even the same one. So having a reanimation effect on a creature is good and bad. You mm -hmm. know, uh, It's bad because it is more vulnerable. You know, this has to tap to happen, and so you can play this, and people could be like, oh, well... I'm going to kill it before you have a chance to tap it and do your thing. Ah, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, or, you know, there's just way more ways to interact with a creature. Ah, but there are way more ways to interact with a creature. You can get this creature in, like, for example, you can get it into your graveyard with, uh, you know, an Entomb or a Buried uh, yep, Alive. Yep. You can actually Buried Alive, get this creature and two other targets, put them all into your graveyard so you have sort of a package uh, in your deck. Um, I think people are comparing this to Unburial Rites, but that's just because it's a double reanimation effect in right. black and white. Uh, but I actually like this a lot more. Yeah. Uh, I like it a lot too. Corpse Concert, Graveyard Alamia. There's a lot of ways to get creatures into your graveyard, and once they're there, it can be really effective. Especially because if you find a way to get the priest out without having to unearth it, you could use it, get into the graveyard, and then unearth it then. So this just says on its face, use me a lot, and I'm going to be able to get some big stuff back for you for the low, low cost of three life. All right. Uh, next, we have a multicolored card. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely multicolored. You don't play this in your colorless deck yeah. unless you're crazy. It's Scion of Draco. It's 12 mana for a 4-4 artifact creature dragon. It has domain. This spell costs two less to cast for each basic land type among lands you control. So this is 
on its face kind of like a five color card in a way yeah that's why we're including it in the multicolored section rather than the artifact section because really like are you playing anyways <laughs> uh, so it's a four four flyer it also says each creature you control has vigilance if it's white hexproof if it's blue lifelink if it's black first strike if it's red and trample if it's green Okay, so it's giving keywords kind of like Audric Lunarch Marshall, but based on the color of the card. And the keywords it gives are all very similar to what the color likes to do. So white, vigilance, green, trample, black, uh, life link, link. Yeah, yep. red, first strike. Uh, hexproof blue. Woo, but hexproof, man. Yeah. That is, that. I think that's the winner of all of them. Oh, Being able to have sure. a creature come in and grant hexproof to other things. Yeah, it's just really and, great. Trample seems good too, obviously. Those are typically mm-hmm. game enders. Now let's talk about the domain part of this. If you have one of each land type how much does it cost to cast dj uh it costs well if it reduces by two, two for each. each one so that reduces it by 10 so it costs two mana wow two mana four four flyer with but you have to have one of each of the basic land types what um, about what about a, a triome on turn one okay. and the other two land types on, oh, a dual land on turn two as that means a turn two sign of draco <laughs> no other creatures to grant its cool ability too so it's just a two mana four four flyer yeah, I think that uh, that's where people are going to break it is by counting a two to three mana four four flyer, but in commander that's not good enough. Yeah, that's definitely not good enough. It's definitely better if you have sort of like right, you have green creatures that want trample or blue creatures that have hexproof, and you are playing five colors. But this seems like it's actually a little bit more uh sort of niche than it may seem on the surface because it's a really cool card don't get me wrong i love it and i think audric decks and people that likes doing that sort of like grant everything cool abilities deck keyword decks could have a lot of fun with this kind of card mm-hmm. um I'll, it could just slot into a lot of other different decks like you know niv mizzet reborn ah you know, yeah things like that animar animar for sure you know because also like if you think about it with animar you're like well well, we can never get it truly cheap with animar you don't even need the basically you could just domain this for 12 on an animar deck yeah but it grants animar well domain for three lands so it's six mana off and then animar is so easy it just reduces it yeah it gets hexproof trample and first strike Hexproof and trample on Animar. Wow, that's actually sick in Animar. That's I love this. So card good in Animar. In Animar yeah, and it's colorless, sure. so you don't need to worry about colored mana. At some point, you're definitely just playing this for free. Yeah, I'm easily Ooh. playing it for free. Yeah, not to mention Animar can sometimes get to ungodly amounts of power um, because of ancestral statue or whatever to just make it huge, and then you're casting Sign of Draco and the game swing at once. Absolutely. So I think that there's definitely decks that are going to play this, but the allure of this fast. Two mana four four is lost on. Computer. Yeah, that's not where you want to be with this for sure. Uh, maybe Granted, there's those a, abilities. Maybe there's a domain modern deck looking to be built, but otherwise, this yeah, this is a cool pump up your team type effect and give your blue creatures hex proof. All right, Jimmy, we talked about all the white cards that we want to talk about, all the black cards, the multicolored cards that did, we want we to did. talk about, uh, and so number one tune in for the next episodes where we'll talk about the green and the red cards another episode where we'll talk about the blue cards the artifacts the lands all that good stuff so definitely tons more stuff to talk about but for these cards which ones are you most hyped about that you're going to start putting in your commander decks. So uh, you heard me when I was excited at the beginning. It's Dalfi Voidwalker. This card to me is so powerful in Marchesa, especially. I think it's just going to be a total house. I can't wait. The shadow is also really relevant because it gets in for the unblockable damage. Uh, I also really like Sarah's Emissary. It's an angel. I think this goes great in the Kalia of the Vast deck. It protects Kalia from, let's say, instants if you know people are waiting to path it. Uh, and also creatures if you need to get thrown damage. Uh, 
Okay, I think that I'm gonna first off, those are great cards. Thank you. Not gonna not gonna lie about that. But I think I'm gonna go a little bit more dirtily that I'm super excited about Archon of Cruelty. Oh. I'm just excited bad, about bad the man, big, DJ. Yeah, just the big thing. I have a deck that <laughs> I have a deck that sneaks things into play, like right. sneak attacks things in. And so I oh, just sneak want attacks this, so yeah, nasty. With I just that. wanna like get this big thing into play and just smash someone and like make them discard two, sack two, and I draw two. Um and just ch- yeah, and just have them cry a little bit I just okay think okay fun. well what card today then did we talk about do you think is a new commander staple i think this one's pretty obvious i i think it's esper sentinel yep yeah um just white is so hard up for card draw that and like a little thing that can slot into so many different decks that can guarantee you a couple cards uh if you just leave it on the battlefield is is great um, yeah, that's quite nice. Its cost um, of inclusion is so low. I think that it's amazing. That's great. We named a white card uh, for the new staple. Out of time, I think is right up there as well. And of course, damn, we talked about it. Damn, quite good. yeah, actually, yeah. The only reason why I wouldn't name damn because damn is actually safer. It's just like makes total sense. It's an yeah. Orzov though, so fewer decks can play it. But damn is damn pretty good. damn good yeah all right to the listeners what <laughs> white black and multicolor cards are you going to be playing your commander decks are there any synergies that we missed that you think are super cool and you want to mention let us know in the comments you can tweet at us send us messages we are everywhere and of course you might want to pick up a damn of yourself a Sarah's emissary and out of time any of these amazing cards an Esper Sentinel. Go to cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. That is our affiliate link. Just by using that link, you are immediately helping out the us and you're just right on the website. There's nothing else you have to do. Buy the cards you need. You're going to anyway get them shipped to your house super quick and then you can slot them into your deck and surprise everyone when you play a Modern Horizons 2 card that they haven't seen yet and catch them off guard. <laughs> and of course, Ultra Pro, good sponsor of the show. Make sure you pick up some of their products if you want to sleeve up your deck. I just got a bunch of the new Coloss uh, Eclipse sleeves. I'm going to be putting all my decks in them and I can't wait to shuffle it up because that feels feels great jimmy when was the last time we did an end step uh, a long 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 time ago we're not doing one today because we decided we don't do them in set reviews and that's uh we haven't sang much either i guess yeah i know so you know what some people are I like sing very well i know <laughs> some people are like where's the songs I mean, we need songs well we oh, miss them too and we miss you oh, commenting on how bad the songs are of course we miss are. them all right, big thanks to our team here at the Command Zone. We have Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Alfred, the Soccer, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Arthur Melcraft, Sam Waldo, Gorov Galati, and Dan Sheehan. Uh, Dan's actually new. He's a new writer here. Some of you commented you read his books before. Uh, big welcome to Dan. And of course, special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the Living Card animations that start our show. Sometimes behind us here on set, you can find them on Twitter at Living Cards MTG. And DJ, where can we find you? Oh, you can find me on the Jumbo Commander YouTube channel all around the command zone. And uh, I actually took a look at the reprints from this uh, set Ooh. recently. And so if you are like, Ooh, what reprints can I play in Commander? Uh, some good ones. Uh, very nice. So, so make sure you go and support DJ. Subscribe to his stuff and hit that notification bell as well. And we will see you all on the next set review for Modern Horizons 2. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. 
Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.